0: I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, made possible in part by Marie Sharp's Hot Sauce, hand-harvested, sustainably farmed, whole fruit and vegetables, certified, pesticide-free, and used within hours of picking, and by listeners like you. You can support our series on Patreon at patreon.com slash theopenmind. I'm delighted to welcome back to our broadcast Ben Mycelis. He, of course, is the co-founder of the Midas Touch Thank you so much for joining me again, Ben. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, Ben, let me ask you about this um, sort of evolving expose that you've led of, of the Rolling Stone periodical. You know, a lot of progressives have thought of Rolling Stone as an ally in not only publishing the truth, but advancing social justice uh, and equity. But you and your team, have identified that that is not necessarily the case anymore if it was ever and i just wanted to give you an opportunity to expound on that
1: yeah you have to really dig deep sometimes you know into the sources in this modern media landscape where different brands are being acquired by billion dollar corporations or foreign entities the rolling stones of the 1960s or 1970s is is no longer that today, you know, what, what we learned is that it's actually bought by a large media conglomerate that actually has a large monopoly. It's called the uh, Penske Media Company. Um, they own basically all of these Hollywood magazines. It's run by the heir to a major Penske automobile fortune. Of course, the Penske automobile fortune is run by an individual who is one of the top uh, GOP donors um, who received the Medal of Honor um, from Donald Trump, the same award that Devin Nunes won and Rush Limbaugh won. Well, this is the heir to the person who won those awards, who recently took in a $200 million uh, investment. It was reported from the Saudi uh, government. Um, which is particularly disturbing uh, across the board, but specifically in the field of journalism. One, the fact that there's such significant foreign control. But of course, after what happened with Khashoggi, um, and the Saudi government state sanctioned murder of a journalist to have them being a major shareholder in, in Rolling Stone in, in these magazines that we thought were you know, as American as apple pie, you know, is, uh, is deeply disturbing. And you start looking at the Twitter feed of what, you know, Rolling Stones posting and, uh, you know, it got, uh, it got disturbing. I mean, look, the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, our investigation into them, you know, somehow arose out of at a some some level selfishness in the sense that, you know, they were, you know, going after me and the progressive movement that we've launched at at Midas Touch, which, you know, made no sense to me because, you know, Midas Touch is an organization where I make zero dollars, um, where I've sacrificed, you know, my real job to basically work for free, you know, for this organization to keep the overhead down. I think our entire overhead for all of the work that we've done at Midas touches, it's a number I'm so proud of. I mean, look, you have to pay human beings to work at some point, And like, the entire overhead that they were attacking us on was three hundred and eighty five thousand dollars of overhead for all of the employees again i don 't pay myself but all the other employees you know the consultant that we have to hire who who runs the operation you know and, and they started attacking things like overcharging for Georgia canvassing efforts because it cost $5 a door. But, you know, one that was not overcharging, that's like what it costs. It's also, you know, we paid a a living wage of $15 an hour to everybody who was knocking on doors. We had to provide full PPE and they were comparing the canvassing of Georgia during the global pandemic to canvassing years ago in Wisconsin. And it just got me thinking, like, what in the world are they doing? You know, and so we had to dig deeper and pull back the layers and, and kind of uncover that, you know, Rolling Stone isn't isn't what it seems. And so that's kind of what led to the investigation to take place. But it, it's, it's undisputed the facts that I've told you about, you know, Rolling Stone. and And I don't know how you can justify running an American media company that's owned, that has a significant ownership stake by a government that killed
0: a journalist, killed an American journalist. Rolling Stone still has not published this article about Midas, right? Or have they?
1: No, they have published it. And it was like, the, it was just a very bizarre and, and, and boring article that just <laughs> literally made, you know, that, that really made no sense at all. Yeah. Um and they got, you know, they got pilloried online from people saying like what the hell? Is, like what do, what is this even talking about? Like what what is this? Because you know, when the guy approached us last December, um you know, G- the Georgia elections hadn't even taken place. So he approached us last December, December 9th. We interviewed him the same way I'm interviewing with you now. And it would be like if you asked me no questions about Georgia, then like reemerged five months later and basically had these lists of, you know, these lists of findings that absolutely, you know, that absolutely made no sense. Like one of them was that you said you were doing a split of donations with the Biden campaign. There's no, there's no record of you making a split with the Biden campaign. And if you made a split, it would be a violation of FEC law. And we explained to him well, look, the program, if you actually read what it is, and it's very clear to everybody, is it's Act Blue, splits the donations from Midas Touch and to Biden so that a donor's making a direct contribution. To the Biden campaign directly, so it's not Midas touch to to Joe Biden. It's like clear as day when you make the donation; like you ha- you literally see how the s- split takes place, and it all talks about the split. And so it was just things like that that were just like if you literally did five seconds of of research, you would you would be able to to find it out. And it was, um, you know, I I guess when you know it's funny it's funny because when we first spoke, you know, you know almost a year ago at this point, you know. Thank <laughs> I was a I was new to this. I was new to political stuff. I was a lawyer, but new to politics. And so the fact that a year later, you know, you have this, you know, this bizarre writer writing this, you know, strange hit piece on something where I try to sacrifice a year to be helpful for, and and took no money, like like zero dollars. I mean, I think that the 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 biggest statements that people got were like, you should have paid yourself, like you shouldn't be working for free. Um, but it was just the strangest attack
0: on an organization that was run so efficiently so when fox news operated with roger ailes you know he exploited the platform and you know he and his henchmen you know attacking whatever boogeyman they wanted with with this rolling stone you're talking about a publication with many you know fewer readers or Fox news has viewers but is your impression that rolling stone is part of of a Fox News media propaganda machine. Now,
1: look, I, I think that I think that sticking to the facts of things that we know, you know, we know that there is a strange um, and disturbing ownership structure um, that that runs the Rolling Stone. That's that's a fact. Um, we know that this particular writer you know, was not coming in in a fair manner, you know, with facts and was not out, you know, to was was not out to tell the truth, you know, from the very first interaction with us, you know, wanting to have an interview about your success and where you go from here. If the very premise of his article was going to be about Georgia, you would expect that After the Georgia election, if he was writing a fair piece, he would want to do just the follow up with us and speak to us about Georgia, you know, which, you know, and as you know, I give interviews like I'm not, I'm very, I'm very transparent with the numbers because the fact that we were able to accomplish what we did on that overhead budget there are some organizations where pay they pay one individual. You know what what our entire what our entire overhead was to run everything with the with the dozens and dozens of different you know operations that 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 we run. So all I know is that they came at it from an angle, and this particular writer was going to write the negative hit piece story on us, regardless of where the facts took them. And when he ran into a, a dead end because we've ran this thing so efficiently, he focused on things that were just so nonsense so nonsensical that his story didn't even make sense and was just like a complete embarrassment and people read it like whatever. I mean, look, the, the only there's a very, very, very small group that 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 says though that Hey, Ben, you you would, you know, you went too hard after this journalist, or maybe you went too hard, you know, after Rolling Stone, you know, and, and I don't think so. You know, I think that when you build something that you're so proud of, that is so transparent and someone's trying to lie, I don't think you can just wait until they lie on your name and try to destroy you. Like I felt I had to protect my brothers and I had to protect my family and I had to protect my own name in this because. You know this. You know the, the Midas community is such a vibrant, optimistic, you know group of people that I just felt it was an attack on on everybody. And and you know at the end of the day, this particular reporter probably wishes, and Rolling Stone, you know, wishes that they didn't go in this direction. I think what they've realized is that uh, they they don't have the power that they think they had. You know, at the end of the day, and that people know the work that we put into the community and, and when that showed and the amount of support that we've had and the amount of anger directed at Rolling Stone and rightful, rightful anger is, you know, is showing that, you know, Rolling Stone though, even with that strange ownership structure and disturbing ownership structure is such a, you know, I just don't think people even care about Rolling Stone anymore. Truthfully, I just think that. That,
0: That's probably true. Yeah. Well, look, they care about your outfit because you and the Lincoln Project and, and, a, and a few other outside groups, uh, Really American, and I would say you and Really American were the unsung heroes, but soon became recognized to have the same impact and footprint uh, as outfits that were founded by longtime political consultants. So one thing that has struck me, Ben, is that given President Biden is now in the Oval Office and the temperature of vindictive thanks to the fact that he was elected and the fact that Trump and some of his allies have been removed from social makes America for the moment, a calmer, gentler country, which is not to say that this will be permanent. It it likely won't, especially as we anticipate the 22 midterms and 24 general. But do you, Agree with that characterization, yeah, I think it's a gigantic step, though this step,
1: because the country is not being run by a sick, disgusting maniac, madman, like that like I, we, we forget how evil and disgusting and disturbing Donald Trump, I don't think we necessarily forget, but he was the worst human being like alive, period, um, and to have him as the leader of the country. And having to wake up every morning to uh, every disturbing policy pronouncement, just the evilness that would spew from him, from his social accounts, from everything he said, and the, the hate that emanated when the most powerful person in the world is also the most evil person in the world at the same time, and also the dumbest person in the world at the same time, um, you know, leaves an indelible scar on this country. And so then to have Biden, who's got the exact opposite temperament, who's deliberate, who's calm, who is thoughtful, um, who shows compassion, um, it's a diametric difference and, um there is calm for the moment, but you know, what we what we can't take for granted is that it's always going to be like this. That's why Midas Touch has to continue to call out the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Bobberts and the DeSantis's and the Cornyns, you know, and all of these people who want to become Trump two point And what we have to do is really appeal to um uh moderate republicans um people who may call themselves Biden republicans and really welcome them you know welcome them over to to the democrat side um because i think it is important that we have a big tent at the democratic party um, because we're the only major party that supports democracy. And that's the key thing here. Once our democracy is safe and steady, we can then maybe go into certain camps about um, specific initiatives to best perfect our democracy. But there has, there's now a democracy party and an anti-democracy
0: party, and we have to be the pro-democracy party. So you are waiting in the wings and anticipating when the the kind of nastiness will be amplified further. It, it's not as if it disappeared and then reemerged. We saw through the special election and the insurrection and subsequently uh, Trump's defenders, you know, continue to operate in, as if that the Republican party's politics were a politics of a relative normalcy. That That continues. But is your do you anticipate that these social platforms that have banned Trump will invite him back, um, and that uh, he will once again have a digital presence that may inspire him and 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 others in his fold to run um, in twenty two and twenty four, or or do you see it as you know the the tech companies? Um, are not going to be in uh, sort of complicit incest with him again.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think in the foreseeable future, at least through 2022, 2023, I don't see Trump being replatformed on any mainstream platform because he abused the platform specifically to kill people, you know, to, to destroy democracy with the platform and to consistently spread conspiracy theories and lies. I think there was a study that showed an overwhelming percentage of the fake information that was disseminated. The false stories originated from Donald Trump and his inner circle. And so he's removed because he's a curse and a virus to the platform um itself but might as touch we're not waiting in the wings i think the problem with democrats in the past is that they wait in the wings until there is an election and then for those six months nine months they give it they give it the go but then the people were like the people on the ground and small towns across the country are like where were you We we didn't see you and we think this is phony now that you're pandering to us right before an election, even if the values of those people living in those small towns and small cities or cities actually aligned with the Democrats because there wasn't that outreach during the year. And so rather than waiting in the wings, what we're doing is. We're treating it like we're already in the 2024 race or we're in the 2030 race. And so we're coalition building and building a group of people who continue each and every day to fight for democracy. Now, our platform has, you know, a million and a half followers across social platforms, but we have a very, very, very kind of dedicated core group called the Midas Mighty and the Midas Mighty probably are in the thousands to tens of thousands. And these are individuals who in their own communities every day are working to spread the message of pro-democracy and engaging with siblings, engaging with friends and coworkers and people who may otherwise be drawn to Trumpism and QAnonism and and all the craziness. So we got to act like the election is taking place, you know, you know,
0: right now. I appreciate you correcting me that you're not waiting in the wings and that you are, active and and you surely are active. Um, the, the question really is, do you anticipate the kind of, you know, visceral ad hominem vindictive viciousness, uh, do you anticipate that, um, accelerating, uh, once again, and, and that, that DNA of, of, uh, vindictiveness is is sort of forever in our bloodstream at one point do you think it can be excised from the bloodstream of american politics is that based on whether trump runs again in 24 or something else
1: yeah i i I do i mean i think that may not necessarily be a factor of if trump runs so you know obviously if he does run i think that would be the case but i think the question is is if the GQP embraces fully Trumpism, which I think they are doing now, that's the fight that you have between the Liz Cheney's and the Boehners, um of the world, you know, versus the Bobberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the DeSantises of the world. I do think if the Trumpism prevails and takes over, you're going to have the nasty craziness, you know, calling Biden Hugo Chavez and, you know, all the crazy things that I would expect from a very fringe radical right party. But those words I use there are very important. Fringe radical right party. It's incumbent on us as Democrats to Make the GQP, as I call them, a fringe radical right party and make it clear that those values, that craziness, that vitriol isn't, you know, isn't American. Um, That's, you know, that's those are like the crazy fascist fringe parties that you have in Europe. And so I do think you will have that vitriol if Trumpism takes over. But I think you will have a small population of people, a smaller population of people. And a smaller voter base who actually votes for that, you know, for that group um, of people, because I think uh, normal, a a normal Republican is going to look at these people who are talking about Jewish space lasers, who mock survivors of school shootings, and say, I just, I can't be associated with you, y'all are, y'all are, y'all are psychotic human beings. And I think that we had to ratchet up. We being Midas Touch and Democrats, we had to ratchet up the fight and bring, you know, and somewhat fight fire with fire because Trump was trying to completely occupy social media spaces. So we met him on that battlefield, and I think did a good job of, of taking over and, and and kind of winning that battlefield. But our natural posture is compassion and kindness and wanting to help people and get people free healthcare and, and get people education and to care about human beings. And I think the posture of Trumpism is to be evil, arrogant and, and hateful and jealous and weird.
0: I often said during this past you know decade when president Obama said, you know, in effect, you shouldn't fight fire with fire. Uh, that, th- I thought that was a mistake and you certainly were a corrective measure, um, and an extremely important one. Um, their fire may be disinformation and lies. What you're, what you're fighting with is not disinformation and lies. It's truth. And you proved that there is a way to fight fire with, with fire without t- basically devolving into something that is untrue or, Um, And that's,
1: you know, and then, you know, bringing the interview full circle, like people who who lived through the Midas Touch movement, the way you covered us, really from the very beginning, you know, when you did the first interview, when we maybe only had 10, 15,000 followers, I mean, you were one of the early people who saw what we were doing, you know, you know, have seen that there were five, six hundred videos that that we made you know about the billboard campaigns that we ran and the five million text messages that we did you've seen the success of the canvassing efforts because we post the videos of everything that we do you know about the radio programs we did the success of the podcast that we did you know about the um successful college university chapters and high school chapters and the dozens of them that are across the country that are midas university chapters you know about the digital billboard Bus tours, you know that you know the billboards that we put in Vegas, and you know that all of the ads that we did on TV um, had viral impact beyond their TV life, and were talked about on MSNBC and CNN, and became the most viewed political ads in a very crowded, um, you know, political political space. And so, you know, bringing the conversation back full circle, we, you know. We poured blood, sweat, and tears into this and built this incredible infrastructure that is going to be here for a very, very long time. And that's built on a community of people, also, where none of the efforts that we did would be possible, you know, without them. And so when, you know, some, you know, when someone comes in with an agenda and and acts like all those things didn't take place, um, you know, and, and you know that you're not sleeping every day, you know, working on those things, you know, it's something that you have to you have to defend and you have to, you know, because defending that is a key ingredient, I think, for the Democrats, um, you know, to continue to get our message out, you know, where we're one small piece of the broader puzzle piece that existed that contributed to this to this Democratic win. But ultimately, I think a, a very important piece.
0: And my co founder of the Midas Touch. Thank you so much for your insight today. Look forward to having you back on the program soon.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.